0: And we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside once again by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, week 10 is now on the horizon in the NFL as we just had week number 9 pass us. And a lot went down in week number 9. We had a couple of injuries at the quarterback position. We saw a head coach get his first win in his NFL coaching career. We saw a couple of teams getting some, you know, convincing wins to, you know, prove to the entire league that maybe they are for real in terms of being a Super Bowl contender this year. And on the other side, we're still looking at some of these other teams and saying to them, saying to ourselves, are they for real? Will they make that push they need to in these last couple of weeks of the season? Because now, as of this week, we only have eight more week. Uh, I'm sorry, nine more weeks left in the NFL regular season. So we're at the halfway point in this year's season. So it's time to make it or break it for a lot of these teams.
1: Yeah, one thing I want to add, because talk about the quarterbacks, and this is a fun little trivia fact for everyone here. You may you may not know this one. This is Three. the first time in NFL history that a player born uh there were no players born in the nineteen eighties did not make a pass. Oh really? So in the in the modern in the last twenty or thirty years of the NFL, this is the last this is the first time that a player uh, not born in nineteen eighties did not make a pass. Uh, all the quarterbacks were born in the nineties or uh, or later. I'm
0: trying to think of who maybe who's the oldest quarterback that threw a pass this week. It was Russell Wilson. It was Russell Wilson. Yes, no, They didn't play this week.
1: Oh, I don't think. It, okay, then who was it then? Because Russell Wilson, I think, is the oldest active quarterback, and they didn't play this week, uh, because remember, there's I no Kirk it's Cousins. Rogers.
0: I think Rodgers is the oldest now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, actually, play that uh, that's well, played more than a snap this season.
0: So let me think who would be the who would be who had been the oldest quarterback that well, snapped the th- ball? Think this about
1: week? the uh the snaps this week. You had no Kirk Cousins, it was I think it Derek
0: Carr. Is it Derek Carr?
1: Derek Carr, I think, is the oldest one, and he was not born in the 80s, he was born in
0: 1991. I'm like, I'm trying to do some, I'm trying to like think of the teens. I think, I think. I want to say it's Derek Carr, maybe Geno, but I'm not confident in that. Here are the
1: the, the quarterbacks with the players. It was Will Lovis, Kenny Pickett, uh, Mac Jones, Sam Howell, uh, Tua, Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Love, uh, Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud. Uh, There's really no old quarterbacks here. That's it. Like, it it was like, this is the first time, I think, the last 20 years that there was not a player in the 1980s that did not take a, uh, did not complete a pass. So, kind of a changing of the guard right now.
0: Well, we're experiencing a youth movement, definitely, in the National Football League when it comes to the quarterback position. But, whether that be because of that being the case of some of these teams wanting to do that, or because of some injuries taking place along the way, that has taken certainly a part of that. And one of the guys you mentioned was Will Levis, and he got his second official star in of the NFL after having a really great first career start against the Atlanta Falcons the week before. Going into primetime time on a short week in week number nine, going against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in a game where the Titans had a chance late in this one to win the game after it looked like the Steelers had wrapped it up it, a touchdown for Deontay Johnson, his first touchdown in I think four or five seasons. And it had been a while since he had scored. So he was finally able to get into the end zone. And Will Levis, to his credit, was able to get his team down the field. They got themselves into the red zone at, towards the end of the game. But unfortunately for the Titans, he throws a late interception to Quan Alexander. And the Steelers, again, Johnson, get out gained. Pretty much outplayed most of this way against the Tennessee Titans. But they once again find a way to win this one. They go to 5-3 and three on the season and hand the Titans their fifth loss by the final of 20-16. to So the Steelers are also in the mix for that playoff spot right now a team that I'll give you credit. You said at the beginning of the season that you could see them making the playoffs. I thought they would be still be around the wild card race, but did not think they could be in a playoff position, but here they are currently. If the season ended today, they would be in the post season. So it's been a great job so far for Mike Tomlin and his crew.
1: Yeah, no, they have done a fantastic job. Kind of, he, uh, He's kind of like a guru in the modern era. No matter what happens, he seems to finish above 500, and he's on pace to do that again. So you got to tip your cap to him at the end of the day because he's done fantastic with his limited offense, and uh, he has a very stout defense to hang his hat on as well.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing for the Steelers is Kenny Pickett, the the thing about him has been the first three quarters of the, the season, mostly when he plays a game, his QBR is so down the dumps, and it's really... Lackluster, but once that fourth quarter hits, Kenny Pickett just turns into another guy, and it turns into another gear, and that happened again in this game. Because if not for that touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, the Steelers would have lost this game. And for them, thankfully, they got a good running game as well from both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. They were able to mostly contain Derek Henry for the most part, and they did a good job of maintaining DeAndre Hopkins with him of a multi-touchdown week the you know four days prior. And like we said, now five or three on the season, so they're in a good spot right now.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about teams that uh a team that may not be in a good spot right now. The Dolphins losing the international game versus the Chiefs this past Sunday. Kansas City could have stopped playing at halftime. They would have won and outscored them. And that's exactly what happened. Kansas City had yeah. a couple quick touchdowns. Travis Kelsey was pretty much neutralized the entire game in a game where he passed Tony Gonzalez with the all time receiving yard the all time receiving leader for the Kansas City Chiefs at the tight end position. He uh he puts up a dud. Three receptions on the entire day.
0: Right. And I think another thing, too, is you mentioned how the Chiefs, this game could have ended at halftime. They couldn't really do anything in the second half. That's exactly what happened. A really bad second half for the Chiefs almost costed in this game. The Dolphins got into Chiefs territory late. They had a 4th and 10. Unfortunately, a bad snap Um, lost the Dolphins this game and ended it for them. But... Realistically, it was the, mostly the first half that got the Dolphins into this, you know, this mess. I mean, they were down fourteen nothing. They had an unfortunate fumble that was returned for a touchdown just before the half that gave the Chiefs a twenty-one nothing lead going into halftime. And the Dolphins had to try to fight their way back from that deficit. And to their credit, they did that in the third quarter, scoring fourteen, the fourteen points that they got in this game. But they were just not able to get the game tying points, and it unfortunately cost them. And now they have, you know, that running you know, stigma against them in which all their wins have been against teams under 500, and they have not been a team that has been so far impressive on the season. So they need to try to find a way to get some wins against a quality opponent down the stretch of the season if they want to be a Super Bowl contender this year.
1: I mean, let's be real. Neither of these teams look like Super Bowl contenders. I know by default the Chiefs are probably a top-five team in the NFL because I've said this multiple times. There's no really good, true teams in the NFL. There's not a team like we've seen in the past, like let's say the Patriots, or we've seen the uh, that Rams team in recent history. It's like, oh, that's the team. Here they go. There's no one. There's nothing we can do to stop them. That doesn't exist this year. It seems. It seems like it's very wide open. The Chiefs don't seem like a good team. The Dolphins certainly don't seem like a good team. And we're gonna go into January kind of wondering who's even gonna win the Super Bowl, let alone who's gonna make the Super Bowl.
0: Well, I think it's perfect segue into this next game, Johnson, because I think. This team right now has looked the most impressive throughout the past couple weeks. I think other than that one game against the Steelers, they have been a really good team all season. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. And, man, they put up a showing again once this past weekend against the Seattle Seahawks, embarrassing them by the final of 37-3. Their defense has been unbelievable this entire season. Uh, They've had a great rushing attack. Keaton Mitchell, their undrafted rookie, had 138 yards and a touchdown. They ran for 298 yards in the game as a team. And Lamar Jackson didn't even have to throw a touchdown pass in this one either, only throwing for 187 yards. And this is the second time we've seen the face of the NFC opponent. And we saw them against the Lions as well. And they embarrassed them in that one as well. And you got to think right now if there's a team that you have to like odds wise to potentially be that top favorite for the Super Bowl, it might just be the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, they've looked pretty insane the last couple weeks. I will not hold that loss of the Steelers against them. One, it's a divisional game, and two, the Steelers' a lot of drops defense. In that game. Yeah, it's a lot of drops. Um, you can f- focus that on uh, in practice for the rest of the season. Hopefully, you, you get you get better in the next month month or two when it comes to dropping passes. But the Steelers' defense is unheard of. I don't want to say unheard of, but it's it's on another level compared to everything else. Um, and they had they had a an early loss to Jacksonville, which they seem to be an okay team. So they didn't really lose the teams that are, oh, my God, these teams are bad, whatever. But they've dominated teams that we think are good. We think right. the Seahawks are good. We think the Lions are good. And I think they have, the, I have to agree with you, I think they have the best resume. The Eagles don't stand out to me. Uh, the Niners would have st- stood out to me if they had, you know, not lost three games in a row. If they maybe even went one and two, maybe because at okay, but it's in a little bit of a slump right now. But the Ravens look like they're the best team right now, and you hope they're not peaking too early. That's what you have to worry for right now, because if they peak too early, it's going to be an early exit in January for them once again.
0: That uh, yeah, that's that's a great point. I think if you know they peak this early, then it could lead to a you know an end a early end of the season. Remember, just a couple of years back, they had the number one seed in the and the AFC. Lamar Jackson won MVP, and they lost in the first the first matchup against the Tennessee Titans. So that very well could happen again if this scenario plays out hopefully for their case that does not happen but they're playing some really good football this so far in the season and i think upcoming this weekend a divisional matchup with the browns another good defensive team that's a good test for this ravens team because you're going to potentially see a low scoring game with the way those two defenses have been playing so far on the season so we'll have to see who comes out on top on that divisional matchup because as you mentioned before divisional games are not easy to win in the nfl especially In the AFC North, considering all four of those teams right now, if the season were to end, would be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, there's two divisional series you don't want to play in, the AFC North is definitely the worst, and I would say the AFC East is uh, definitely number two. Um, Definitely not number one, but most of the two divisions I can think of where everyone kind of beats up on each other.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree, because I think mostly other divisions either have one or two good teams, but AFC East is... I mean, I I don't know. They seem a little
1: fraudulent right now.
0: I think the the AFC is not in a good spot either right now, so I don't even know if that's the the case. I'm just Um, talking about
1: teams that beat up on each other all the time.
0: Yeah, I I guess so. I guess so. Because no one's beating up on the Chiefs. No one's beating up on the Niners, really. Right. The Chiefs dominate most of their opponents in their division. That's the problem. Except for Denver, which was surprising, but besides the point. Um, But anyways... yeah, we'll, we'll shift over to our next game and a game that had some, you know, intrigue going into it because obviously it was the matchup of two backup quarterbacks. The first game for the Vikings without Kirk Cousins, they went with Jaron Hall, the rookie out of BYU, and for the Falcons they made their quarterback change and going with Taylor Heineke replacing Desmond Ritter. And this is a game in which we saw Jaron Hall on the first drive. He looked pretty impressive to start out. He was five for six for seventy-eight yards, ran a couple of times as well, but. One of those runs did lead to him getting a concussion, and Josh Dobbs had to enter the game. And this was, remember, Josh Dobbs just entered on this team not a couple days ago because of the trade deadline getting traded from the Cardinals to here. And remember, Johnson, I said, I didn't think it would take too long for Josh Dobbs to get involved into this team because you have to think realistically. Can you get to the playoffs with a rookie like Jared Hall or a guy like Josh Dobbs that has proven himself so far in the season? And boy, did he ever prove himself in this game against the Atlanta Falcons. The fourth quarter, in particular, probably one of the best drives I've seen by a guy that just entered a team in recent memory, maybe in the history of the league. I mean, there was a fourth and long. He had to run himself just to get the first down. That was a play in which he had to break multiple tackles to get the first down conversion. And then finally, he gets a touchdown pass to Brandon Powell with 22 seconds left. And the Vikings despite the injury to Hall, despite having a quarterback for just a couple of days, beat the Atlanta Falcons by the final of 31-28. to 28. Josh Dobbs definitely has now proven himself to be the starting quarterback of this team. It looks like he'll be the quarterback for the rest of the way, even with the injury to Jared Hall now. And they're now at 5-4 and four in the season, and they're still in the wild card race. They right now would be in the playoffs if the season ended. So it will be up to Josh Dobbs to get them into the postseason, but You've had to have liked what you saw from this game from Dobbs on just short rest.
1: Absolutely. I will not even call it short rest. I would call it learning a completely new offense. He didn't even know the names of the guys in the huddle. Right. That's the reality. And he comes in, and he wins you a football game in dramatic fashion, to say the least. It's, re- it's a really good, feel-good story for Josh Dobbs, too, because I can't remember the last time we had a quarterback that kind of has his background, his story, uh, taking the fourth round 2017. Really doesn't get a fair shot. He kind of does. He's kind of in and out of the league. He's on five different teams in the last, I think, two
0: years. I think in the last year. <laughs> in the last year he's been in two? I think it's been five teams in the last season. He was on the Brown. So I'm looking at it right now. He was on the Browns. In
1: 2022. In
0: 2022 and 2023. So that counts for that. He was also on the Lions in the practice squad. He was remember he remember he played the end of the season for the tie-ins last year sure, to get yeah. them into the postseason. Oh yeah, I guess
1: it's been okay, the last year, but the last two seasons combined.
0: Right. The last two seasons combined, absolutely. So he's been he's been, you know, going around the league and he, to his credit, has continued to get himself better, and this is by far his best season in, in the entire NFL. And he is putting up numbers that you wouldn't expect out of a guy like this. I think he's top ten in passing guards right now on yeah. the season. I mean, at, he's at doing the, really good.
1: At the end of the day, he's still an SEC quarterback that had he led very good Tennessee teams, right? So he has that kind of pedigree. He has that background, but you can't expect something out of year one or year two. I, I get, I get it. Right? He's backing up Big Ben the first year or two. That's that's a given. Goes to Jacksonville. Well, t- well, they're getting Trevor Lawrence soon anyway. Okay, goes back to P- Pittsburgh. Backs up Big Ben kind of back, you know, it, it, he's been around the league for a little bit, and it just shows that he never gave up hope, he never really gave up in himself, and now it's paying a ton of dividends for him. I wonder what kind of contract he'll get in the offseason now, because he, he has proven right. that he is at, at worst, he is a high quality backup that can win football games. I'm not saying he's he's, gonna, you're going to win because of him, but you can win with him.
0: He's kind of like your bridge gap quarterback right now, where absolutely. You, you think you can still make the playoffs, but you still might be wanting to look for that young rookie. You're paying to develop. for a
1: wide receiver, you right. know, a couple of linemen, a couple of guys on defense, maybe a corner, and you can't really afford that quarterback. Kind of want to squeeze some last, the last, uh, like you said, playoff juice out of your players. Josh Dobbs is your guy.
0: Right. I think he might be in the conversation in the offseason for maybe a potential starting gig for. And he'd be comeback come player be of looking the year. for a quarterback. Uh, I would say he'd
1: I, be comeback player of the year. If Gino I, think did
0: he it. Could, I think he could be, I think he's eligible technically. I, I think he would have to be eligible. I, I, I'll tell you this. If they make the playoffs, the Vikings, he'll definitely win the award. Um, He still could win it even if they don't make it, but I don't know who would be up for the award also. I think we would have to like wait and see who they would put up for that award. Right. Um, But he's definitely in the running for it for sure. And you have to have like what you've seen from him. remember he got the Cardinals the only win in the season so far. Um, He's now got the Vikings, a big win, putting them in a position to stay in the wildcard race. And they have a huge game upcoming this weekend with another team that's also in the wildcard race. And we'll talk about that in our mushing hour later on the show. But we have to talk about this next game, Johnson. Game Probably, of the year? I, my, in my opinion, it might be the game of the year. I mean, a lot of drama went into this game in terms of how it went down. And it didn't look like it was going to happen like that the way the first half happened. The Buccaneers went into halftime with a 17-10 lead against the Houston Texans. And the big story going into the second half was the Texans lost their starting kicker, Kiami Farbane, uh, Fairbane, sorry, to an injury. So they had to go with a backup running back in, uh, Dari Ogunbunwali. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't know if I did or not. He did a better job than I would have. Um, I remember him from, I believe he went to Wisconsin, um, if I'm not mistaken. But besides the point, he was a good running back for the Badgers. And he had to play the emergency kicker. And believe it or not, he did make a kick in this game. We'll get to that in a little bit. But the story of this game, Johnson, C.J. Stroud, by far his best game in the pros. 30 of 42, 470 yards, five touchdown passes on the day, setting the record for most passing yards in a game, set by a rookie, breaking the previous record by Andrew Luck. And gets a game-winning touchdown pass with just six seconds left. And keep in mind, this was just after Baker Mayfield and company got down the field and got a touchdown with 46 seconds left. So Stroud and company had to go down the field in 75, uh, excuse me, in 40 seconds, 75 yards on six plays to get the game-winning score, throwing a touchdown to Tank Dell. And the Texans go to 4-4 four and four in the season with a 39-37 win over Tampa.
1: Absolute pandemonium. In that stadium, they couldn't believe what was going on. You feel bad, though, for Baker Mayfield, because he can't, be, uh, he can't be left out in this conversation, which he did what he had to do to win the game. He did. You would think 40 seconds, no timeouts, you're golden, right? There's no way this rookie quarterbacks could go the length of the field, not only get a field goal, which is hard enough to ask for in 40 seconds, but get a touchdown is unheard of. Right. And Baker Mayfield's having an under-the-radar solid season. I realize he's had a bad game or two, but I I feel bad for him because he's at risk of losing his job, even though he has 12 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 65-ish passer rate, completion percentage, 240 yards a game. That's a starting caliber quarterback in in this league. But if
0: if you think if if Tampa
1: Bay loses out and they can get a Drake May or Caleb Williams... You think they move on from Baker?
0: I think if you're in that position where you get a rookie quarterback, I think you have no choice but to consider it's, it. It's but a
1: sad situation but because Baker does deserve that. He has proven he's
0: a starter in this league. It may have remember, come a little bit
1: late, but he's proved it.
0: But remember, we thought about this with Tampa Bay going into the season. They were either a borderline playoff team because of the division that they were in, or they were going to be in the position to potentially draft a quarterback. And their offense has not been bad this season. You, you mentioned Baker's had a really good season. The issue for Tampa, which... Had not been an issue the past couple of seasons was their defense has gotten really bad and it showed in this game. They could not stop any of the Texans wide receivers. Three receivers in this game went for a hundred yards. Noah Brown, 153 Dalton Schultz, the tight end, 130 tank Dell, who has been emerging for the Texans at the receiving core. Scoring the
1: touchdown as well.
0: 114 yards. All of them getting touchdowns in this game as well. Nico Collins also had a touchdown and that's been a problem for Tampa Bay. I think the defense is really getting, you know, showing away or from the Baker Mayfield and company's best, you know, better best game of the season by far, offensively wise. And they now have dropped to three and five. They're still in line to potentially win the division, but I think this week against the Titans is going to be a make or break week for them because if they lose and drop to three and six, then you're really starting to talk about them being in the position to try and maybe potentially trade up in the draft to try to get their next rookie quarterback.
1: Only time we'll tell we could also light a candle for Baker and hopefully he lands on a team. Uh listen, if Josh Dobbs will get signed, I think Baker will get signed no problem as well. But let's talk about that ne- the next game. Let's talk about those Philadelphia Eagles, right?
0: <laughs> now well, go ahead. I'll The
1: way it. this game ended, the NFL wanted to hand this game to the Cowboys. They want let me paint-, paint you a picture, right? The Eagles are up by about a touchdown, right? Was it four points, five points? they won one by five. What's up, they're up five points, right? Dallas has a couple timeouts, two minute drill, right? They get into the into the red zone. They don't get into the red zone uh for like a crazy Dak throw or a long run by Tony Pollard. They get in of penalties, which are at best egregious penalties. The NFL was trying to give the Cowboys this win, right? Even though I'm not an Eagles fan, I'm not a Cowboys fan, whatever. They finally get in the red zone. I think they're at the 11 or 12 yard line. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick.
0: So they were at, they had a, they had a, a long third and 20, I think. So they were like around the 20 something yard line on the final play of the game. Right. So maybe... they got, cause they got the completion and it, they got stopped at the five yard line.
1: Right, right, right. But I'm saying, right, right. But I'm saying when they get into the red zone, right. Right. They get to around the 10 or 11 before the penalties that kind of drive right. them back, right? Right. Right. So they get to around the 10, 11-yard uh, yard line, right? They got four tries. This is easy. Couple couple penalty here or there, long sack. Now it's 3rd and 20 with like 10 seconds left. What the hell happened? Dallas, even though they were trying to hand this game to them on a silver platter. Hey, take it. It's yours. Dallas is like, can't do that best we could do is give our fans another heartbreaking loss in dramatic fashion. Dallas loses to the Eagles by five, and uh, the question remains, what are they going to do with Dak this offseason now? Because he clearly isn't the guy there.
0: Well, I think a bad third quarter also played into a factor. Dallas was leading in going into halftime, but the Eagles took advantage of the third quarter and were able to hold on to this game. Um, Dak numbers wise had a pretty good game. I mean, 374 and three touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had a monster game as well for them, but there's still concerns around for the Dallas in, in this one. The offensive line kind of struggled against the Eagles. Um, defensively, they were iffy, I'd say at best, against the Eagles, you know, receivers. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith both had touchdowns. Um, I would say they did a pretty good job overall defensively against the run. They stopped the Eagles a bunch of times, except for a tush-push here and there from Jalen Hurts. But, yeah, Dallas is going to be in an interesting spot in the offseason because if something doesn't happen in the postseason, those questions are going to start amount, you know, emerging even further because they've been going on the last couple of seasons when it comes to Dak. Like that's especially been, if the he's been rumored to
1: kind of just like... He's been rumored for the last couple of seasons like, oh, he's out. But I feel like another... Disappointing postseason can kind of accelerate that and maybe even make it a reality.
0: Yeah, I I mean, listen, the problem is, even if he gets like a a win this postseason, it's still not enough. This team is, every year, it's Super Bowl or Buster, like the Yankees with baseball. It has to be this and that. It has to be championship or else it's a failure. And obviously, that should be the mentality for most teams in the NFL. But being that as it may, you got a position where Jerry Jones, listen, Let's face the facts. He's getting up there in age. He wants to win one more championship. And right now, if Dak cannot get it done for them, they might have to look for quarterback. I don't think it's going to happen as of this season, but I think it is getting closer and closer. So there's a strong possibility Dallas could be a quarterback market maybe in a couple years.
1: Maybe we see Baker Mayfield there in the cheap. Maybe I just jinxed and gave a curse. Well, if, if
0: if you're going from Dak to Baker, you're not winning a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, probably not. But hey, who knows? Crazier things have happened.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll do a quick recap of this next game because there's not much to talk about the game itself. Uh, The Giants got embarrassed in this one by the Raiders. First, uh, you know, head coach Antonio Pierce, the interim. Great job for him. I, I feel happy for him, the former Giants linebacker that won a Super Bowl in 07 with us. And the big story of this game really wasn't about what the Raiders did. I mean, listen, they played a phenomenal game. Josh Jacobs went off. Um Adrian O'Connell had his first ever start, officially as starting quarterback. He, he did all right for the job. But the big story of this game was what happened with the Giants, and that was Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones returned in this one from injury, first start back, and gets injured early on in the game. And it's a big, serious injury because he tears his ACL in this one. He's now out for the rest of the season. Who knows what his status will next season will be. And remember, next season is a big year because that is going to be the second year of that fully guaranteed deal. So people are starting to question, is this the last time we see Daniel Jones as a starting quarterback of the New York giants, or just even in a giants uniform as it is, because now this team drops a two and seven. They're right now picking fourth in the draft of the season ended today. They are in prime position to potentially get their new starting quarterback in this upcoming NFL draft. If they choose to go that way and you got to think about, it too, with Tyrod Taylor now, probably going to be out for a while. He's currently on the IR. It's going to be Tommy DeVito right now as the starting quarterback. Potentially Matt Barkley. It's really bad times for this team as a, as a general. But, like I said, the big story now is, is this the last time you potentially have seen Daniel Jones in a Giants uniform? And where do they now go from here? I don't know where they go from here.
1: I don't want to say you should, you should get rid of him, but...
0: If you're in the spot to draft, I feel like it's time to get rid of them. I I I think the point is if you're in the position to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, I don't see the Giants passing it up. But if they miss out on both of them, then they're look. Then you're looking at a different picture, and you're saying, you know what, you probably just get Marvin Harrison if you hope if you can hope to get him, or someone else in the draft, and then go from there. But I don't know. There, there's still a lot of teams ahead of them. The Cardinals are are one and eight. The Panthers are one and seven. The Bears are two and seven. And the Bears and Panthers are playing each other this upcoming weekend, um, or this upcoming week, I should say. So the Giants, who, who even knows because they could easily. I feel like as if you win one game, you potentially knock yourself out of that QB race, but. I think with Tommy DeVito starting, I, I just don't see a scenario in which the Giants have a chance to win a game the rest of the season.
1: So the Giants are going to tank, and yeah. let's say they can get Caleb Williams. Would you want him? Like, Let's be real. Like,
0: I he, has Caleb
1: he has some question marks about him now.
0: I, I, the question marks, I think, are mostly because... I think you, you we the problem for Caleb Williams is, and we'll talk about this in our college football show this week, as well, but you're also overlooking the fact for Caleb Williams because he's putting up numbers. The problem is USC is not doing what they expected to do this season. That's mostly due to their defensive struggles they've also had. Is Caleb Williams throwing you know some makes a bad you know throws most of the games sometimes, but he's still you know doing flashy plays. He's a really good runner. He has a really good arm. He could be a really big asset to any NFL team. That potentially drafts him. I think the issue would be depending on what team you go to is offensive line issue, especially if you're going to the Giants. That's obviously been a huge problem for them for a decade plus. You have one good offensive lineman. You're hoping maybe John Michael Schmitz can do something, and who even knows what's going on with Evan Neal? He got injured again this week. He's probably going to be out again, and he can't play right tackle. So even if he's going to the, even if he were to go to the Giants. It's still not a good spot in terms of offensive line. They would have to fix that in order to make Caleb Williams look good. But on the other flip side of it, the problem, I think, for the other teams above the Giants are they're also in a spot where do they even take a quarterback? I think Arizona is locked into Kyler Murray. I think um, with him now coming back this week, I think they'll want to you know build the franchise around him. Carolina just drafted Bryce Young. They're not going to draft the quarterback. The big question mark is going to be the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, because they currently hold picks two and three. What do you do with Justin Fields? Do you want to keep him and build around him, get Marvin Harrison and a tackle in the draft? Or do you say, you know what? Let's trade Justin Fields, get some assets, and then draft a new quarterback in this upcoming draft, which would be, in my opinion, Caleb Williams. So there's a lot of question marks when the draft comes up. And once April hits around, I think that's going to be a very good, nope, you know, worthy thing to see what happens because the Bears were the talk of of the town last season. And that's what they did with the number one pick, trading down to Carolina. They might do it again this year, but we don't know.
1: Now that's a great question because they have the opportunity to maybe take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. the Bears. Right. So this is all gonna depend on what the Bears do, and it's gonna be exciting. But I think if the Johns were gonna commit to Caleb Williams, they need to trade into the first round. They need to buy a a late first round pick.
0: Well they would they They, would I think take the
1: offensive tackle Uh, from BYU. Pair him up because you can get gem offensive lineman in the in the late first round. Not unheard see the, of.
0: See the problem for the Giants is if they don't get the number one pick, they're not going to get Caleb Williams. They would potentially might have to trade up to get Caleb. Right, Williams. right, right.
1: No, I I agree one hundred percent. I'm saying in the best case scenario, like that's the world where that's that is the best case scenario for the New York Football Giants.
0: Yeah, the the, the season we, we the season's been short. Tra- this has been short. Tra- I mean, they had hope after the Jets game potentially if they were to win that game, but then it, it got they obviously choked at the end and then. This game was an utter disaster against the Raiders. They made the Raiders' defensive insane, And I think you now just, you have to evaluate the rest of the season because you have to evaluate what players are going to stay, what players are going to go. We know Saquon Barkley is a free agent at the end of the year. They obviously would like to bring him back. They've said it. They want to resign him. They also didn't trade him at the trade deadline because they wanted to try to get a contract done. So that's another question they have going into the offseason as well. But, I think the moral of the story is going to be: What now happens at QB? Will they go in the draft and get someone? Do they say, you know what? We'll just build, it, get a bridge quarterback for next season, and just you know chalk up the Daniel Jones experiment? Because I think personally, this might be as I think I, for me personally, I think that was the last time we've seen Daniel Jones in a Giants uniform. That'd be crazy after the last season. I don't season, think we see. So. I don't think we see him again. I think the Giants will be in the point. I I truthfully believe. The Giants will be picking in the top two. This is cup coming draft. Well, those that's, just, are some, that's a bold statement. I Because I, I, I'm telling you right now, the Cardinals, I could see winning a couple, like two or three games because Kyler Murray's back. He provides something for that offense. And with Carolina and Chicago, one of them's going to win this week. So that will cancel out and give a, third, give a, a team either the second or third win. So that's all over the Giants really would have to happen. I think the Giants... And my, I just don't see a game in which they win enough. There's no way they're going to win with Tommy DeVito. It's just impossible. This offense is anemic without a quarterback. And Saquon can only do so much. And by that, po- that point, there could be questions of him getting injured at some point because of him getting run into the ground. Or, he, you know what, you, you tried not to get him fully injured for future years because you want to resign him. So you maybe shut him down for the rest of the season. I I wouldn't be surprised if they do that.
1: Well, uh, only time will tell. And let's go into our next game, almost our final game we have here on the schedule. And I really want to talk about this game. I'm excited because... I know you are. Once again, Joe Burrow has beaten Josh Allen. He has. Hasn't happened once. Hasn't happened twice. Third time's the charm? Nope, not for Josh Allen. I would say fourth time's the charm because they should have beaten the NBA game where DeMar Hamlin went down. They were going to beat him that game too, but I guess it will be a 4-0 asterisk. I can put Nashwick next to 4-0, right?
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: But Josh Allen, when the, the lights are shining brightest most, he needs to silence the doubters, silence the critics. Can't go over the hump. And if Patrick and if um and if Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are the second best team in the AFC again, Josh Allen's playing for third place again. He's not playing for an AFC championship game. He's playing for another wow. loss to Patrick Mahomes.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the Bills are right now in the spot, Johnson, where if the season ended today, they would not even be in the playoffs. It'd be the AFC, AFC North teams. You're right. The AFC North has has locked up all of the wild card spots right now. Now, credit, there's no way those teams will all make the playoffs. There's going to be one or two of those teams that don't well, make there'll it. There'll
1: be the two difference. that don't make it. This is like the they AFC to, East a couple of years ago,
0: if you remember. Right. They have to cancel it out. There, there, there's there's no way it's, it's going to work out in both of their favors. But – the problem for the Bills is, has been most of what's been happening all season. They have been a really bad first half team. And it showed again in this one. They had a chance to go down one possession going into halftime, but Josh Allen had an intentional grounding call that got a 10 second runoff, and it cost them a chance to hit a field goal to make it a one possession game going into the half. So their first half struggles have been costing them this season. And, every single game that they've had to come the uh, they played they've had to come back and try to make it a game some of those games they've been able to win but in this case this was another one where it was just too little too late and they fell again and now they dropped the five and four in the season they have they've only won one road game on the entire year they're now one and three on the road and for the Bengals they've now won four straight and this is what we talked about they're starting to get hot at the right moment credit it maybe could be it could be a little bit too early but you after the start they had, they need to go on this stretch. T. Higgins had a monster game. Uh, Joe Burrow has looked electric these last couple weeks as well, looking like the Joe Burrow we've seen throughout these past couple of seasons. And now they're five and three. And as we mentioned, if the season ended today, it would be a wild card team. And if not for the Ravens having such a great season, could be in first place in the AFC North. But they also have a very fun game upcoming this weekend against the Houston Texans. That could be. A uh, high-scoring matchup, to say the least, for those two. But for the other side, for the Bills, like I said, I think they they have to figure out something offensively because if, and this is going to be huge, if they lose to Denver this upcoming Monday night, then the panic really is going to set in in Buffalo. Because then you'll drop It'd the be 5 be insane or five. If I lose at Denver. I think there's a strong possibility. It could happen. Uh, they have to. They're all. They offense. It's just, I don't understand what's gone on. It's been bad play calling. Allen's throwing picks this season as well. I think he has now nine interceptions on the season after throwing one this game. Remember, he
1: leaves the league in uh, fumbles. I'm sorry, in turnovers by a quarterback since 2019.
0: Right. I mean, listen. We, we knew we had a turnover problem, but this has Josh been... Allen is
1: famous. Jameis with better marketing.
0: Well. He's not throwing thirty picks in the season. I know he's but, not, yeah. but
1: you know how Jameis had that turnover problem.
0: Yeah, I know what you're getting at.
1: Yeah, but he's 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 acting like Jameis with better marketing right now. That's what he that's to me that's what he's like.
0: Yeah, I think the Bills they they have. I think this is a must-win game for them this coming Monday night. Because here's the thing: the good thing for the Bills is that everyone in the AFC East lost, so there's still a game out of first place in the division, so they still have a chance to win the division. But a loss to Denver, that would really hurt them because they can't afford to lose a game like that because then you drop to the 5-5. Five five, then all there's going to be even more question marks than answers throughout the season. The good thing for them is, is that there's not really much competition, I would say, in terms of a team trying to swipe one of the wild card spots away, even though they're on the outside. I'd say they have the best probability out of the outside teams to make it as a wild card. Compared to teams like the Jets. Maybe the Texans are are for real. I can't I still can't get a gauge of, you know, what they are. And who knows what the Raiders are gonna do with Antonio Pierce now as the head coach. They looked really good this week and they continue to do that. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs as well.
1: Let's stick but, with let's so anyways okay. let's stick with the pain and suffering in New York State and let's talk about yeah. the New York Jets now.
0: Yeah, I know you were uh you enjoyed this one too.
1: I mean, I fell asleep during this game. That's neither here nor there.
0: Well, to be fair, the Jets' offense also was asleep during this game.
1: But from what I remember, uh, this game, the first half, it was all Chargers. And not this Chargers like, in all, a good way. I mean, it, was fair, it was chargers. all Chargers. It was all Chargers because the Jets couldn't do anything on offense.
0: Well, Defense got the,
1: multiple stops. And Well, here's the funny thing about balls. this
0: game. The funny thing about this game is, if you look at the end of the stats for this one, the Jets had more first downs than the Chargers did. Had better time of possession than the Chargers did. And they held Justin Herbert to 136 yards passing. And you would think, oh, maybe that's because the running game did something for the Chargers. Austin Eckler might have had two touchdowns, but he only had 47 yards rushing. The Jets' defense played good again. The score might not indicate that because they gave up 27 points, but one of those touchdowns was a punt return. And that sucked the life out of the stadium. Once the punt return happened, the Jets knew they were in trouble. And... Going into this game, I was talking to someone about this. I said to them, I said, if the Jets start off this game like they did against the Giants, and where they start off very flat and they can't do anything offensively, they'll have no chance. Because this Chargers team has way more talent than the Giants do, and they're better offensively schemed. And it showed in this one. Because if the Jets had any chance, they needed to have a strong offensive start, and they just didn't do it. Um, Brees Hall had 50 yards rushing. Zach Wilson had only, you know, had 49 passes, attempts, 33 completions, 263 yards, but was sacked eight times in this game. And that's been an issue for Zach Wilson, him holding on to the ball too long and taking sacks and costing his team yards and putting themselves into bad positioning. And now this was a game a lot of people said that it was a must-win for them because every team lost. They could have been tied for second place with Buffalo. They actually would have been in second place, do the tiebreaker with Buffalo. A half game out of first place, or a game out of first place with the um, no, it would have been a half game. Sorry, a half game out of first place with the Miami Dolphins, with the Dolphins having their bye week this week and them taking on the Raiders on Sunday Night Football this upcoming weekend, and they just fell flat. They just started off really poorly. Never got anything going offensively, despite getting more first first downs and more you know better time in possession. And it's kind of what happened last season. Their offense is right now anemic. They can't get anything going. Now you have another prime time game upcoming this weekend. And, again, it might be another must win for them because another loss puts you at 4-5, and and it gives a lot of these other teams a chance to jump up above you and take one of those wild card spots, potentially. Now
1: let's talk about the comments Sauce Gardner made after the game saying that he is a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. He's lost the locker room, right? With comments like that coming right after the game, he's 100% lost the locker room. Him being uh, Robert Sala.
0: Well, Sala isn't a bad spot, too, also because you were hoping a lot of Aaron Rodgers to fix the offensive problems, and obviously him getting injured hurt, and you had to go back to Zach Wilson, and when they won on that three-game win streak, it looked like maybe, you know, there was hope again. It, they were 4-3, and three, a big primetime game against the Chargers to try to prove your worth, and they just did nothing in this one, and now... You're, if you're a Jets fan, you want to get hoping, and you're you know you're counting on the days, hopefully, for Rodgers to come back. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But if they continue to play like this offensively, they won't have a chance to win many more games the rest of the way and not give themselves a chance to give Rodgers, if he were to come back, a chance to get them into the postseason this year.
1: That'd be crazy if he does come back. I am. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to come back. Obviously, it'd be. Uh, it would be unheard of. This would be unprecedented. Time. This is. Uh, these are uncharted waters. We'll talk about. He.
0: Uh, the. Uh, the thing with it is, is like I heard an initial rumor. They said maybe Christmas Eve. That's like maybe the hopeful date you would get him back. But even if it were to be that date, the Jets might not even be in the playoff position to have a chance because. Can you realistically look at their schedule and say, you know what, I like them a lot in this game. They might be the favorite this upcoming week against the Raiders, but the, if the Raiders play like they played against the Giants, the Raiders are going to eat. Should win that game, and then they have to go to Buffalo. Then they're home against Miami, and it won't be. It won't get easier for them the rest of the way. So they, they need to figure something out sooner rather than later because time is potentially running out for this team.
1: Now, how much time do you think they actually have left? Like, do we have to finish it in a game? Two games, three games? How much time do you think they actually have left? I don't think I feel it's like much. they have to get it done by next game or else we're done.
0: I really think this is the biggest game of the season now for them because you I, I really think if you drop to four and five, then you have to go to Buffalo and then play Miami, you're looking at a potential of dropping to four and seven quickly. And then that is at the point where that's it, the season's over.
1: And with that being said, before we go into our mushing hour, would you like to talk about anything else?
0: Uh, well, we can talk about how we didn't have a terrible week last week in the NFL. Oh, I was awful. I'm sorry. I I, I went three and four. You were looking at your college football. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that on our next show. College football was very rough for us this week, but we went, we were all right this week in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean four and two. Four and two is not bad. I was looking at two and six. Four and two was respectable. I'll take that all day long.
0: I started over three and then I uh thank for the last three games saved me.
1: <laughs>
0: I really thought the over would have hit in that game. I thought the Jets could have score fourteen you.
1: points. I thought they could get fourteen points, man.
0: They couldn't do <laughs> that's not a lot. The the Jets fans are, are at the point where they are grateful to get field goals. That's 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 the problem right now. I
1: f- I knew the Chargers are gonna score like twenty points. I figured alright, the Jets could score twenty, right?
0: Well, I'm curious to see what they do because they have another prior time game this weekend, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, Johnson, for those that don't know, what does the mushing hour entail?
1: Uh, It's a play on the witching hour on Red Zone where losses become wins and wins become losses uh, where we pick our our favorite teams each week. Not our favorite teams, but we think the teams that are going to win. So we're going to give you the point spread or the over-under, maybe even money line if it's close enough, but there'll be no picks. Like, outlandish, like, okay, yeah, um, it's Cincinnati playing the Texans. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take Bengals' money line, even though they're minus seven. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's that's a garbage pick. Right. We could give you, in games like that, where it's minus seven or, like, minus ten, something crazy like that, we could give you the spread. In games that's like, oh, minus one, minus two, maybe we'll go money line. Feel confident not even take the points because it'd still be, like, a minus 120 pick. No garbage picks, only good picks only. And with that being said, our first game, we have the Carolina Panthers on the road going into Soldier Field, Soldier Field historic stadium to take on the Chicago Bears. Bears at home, minus four point favorites, 39.5 is the over-under. Give me Bears minus four. There will be no tweets from Seth Rollins this week saying, I hate football. <laughs> He's going to be very happy and satisfied after he just retained his World Heavyweight Championship last night on Monday Night Raw. And give me Bears minus
0: four. I love a good old WWE plug during a football segment. So fun. Um, Let's just face facts. These two teams are not good. The Bears are two and seven. The Panthers are one and seven. Um, The Bears obviously own the Panthers draft pick. So the Bears pretty much win this game no matter who wins the game, in all fairness. Uh... I don't think Justin Fields is gonna play either, but after what Bryce Young did on Sunday against the Colts, I'm not sure if I have any confidence right now in him going forward. So I, I think I'm gonna go I think I'm gonna go Bears minus four as well. I don't like the pick at all. I just have no faith in either of these teams. It's gonna be an ugly game on Thursday.
1: Alright, the next game we have, we have our international game. Happening in Mercedes Benz Stadium in Germany. I think it's Mercedes Benz Ger- uh, it Stadium, is. correct? Me, if I'm but wrong. Okay, I got this one. I got this one right. This weekend, in international games. Let me go. Let's go. All right, we have the Indianapolis Colts, technically the home team. Kinda, I don't know who's the home team.
0: The Patriots are technically the home team.
1: And this is why this is stupid because the Patriots are home team in Germany. Everyone knows those German Patriots fans go wild there every single time they play there. Okay, now we have the Colts and the Patriots playing a. I'm going to call it a neutral site game. In yeah. Germany, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the Colts are minus two-point favorites over on the slate for 43.5. I am a Patriots fan, so fade me. Patriots money line, I don't care. That's my reasoning. I don't pick against my team.
0: Uh, Yeah, this is a game that I hate because I've picked both these teams multiple times and they both have spurned me multiple times. So this will probably be one where it's because it's a Germany game. I would to be... uh. Too you know, too unhappy if I woke up too late to miss the start of it.
1: That's not but nice.
0: I'm just I'm just facing facts. This game's probably not gonna be pretty as well. I'm gonna go with the Colts uh minus two in this one. Uh they're in a spot where they still have a chance to make the postseason right now. A win gets them to five hundred. Jonathan Taylor is looking to be back into form. Minchu's a good enough quarterback to get them wins, and their defense I think will be just enough to hold on to this win. No offense. Oh.
1: Okay, um, that's none taken. This team sucks. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints going on the road, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, even though they're at home, are the underdogs. Saints on the road, minus two and a half point favorites, over under slated at forty-one and a half. Give me Vikings plus two and a half. I, I'm sure the spirit of Kirk Cousins is with them in the locker room, led by Joshua Dobbs. I'm sure he's still playing Creed for them. Ever since they started listening to Creed, they and on an un- on a, on a winning streak, so as long as they keep on playing, creating that locker room, they can keep on winning. So give me Vikings plus two and a half, plus Derek Carr sucks.
0: This is a, I mean, this is a fun. This is a fun game because the Saints right now, I think, are tied for first place, or maybe are are they in full possession of first place in the NFC South? Uh they are in full. Okay, yeah, because I mean, to be fair, the division is not good. Division garbage. Really um, so this is a tough one because. Both these teams are in the playoff mix if the season ended today. The, you know, this is a matchup where I would not you know, going into the week, I was originally not going to put this on the schedule. But after what the Vikings did on Sunday, they have to be talked about. They've won four straight games since that bad start to the season. Josh Jobs is now the quarterback. Going up against Derek Carr. I I'm looking at it as I think this is going to be, this might be a high-scoring game. I think you could see the offense going up in this one. I'm going to go with the over in this one. I think it's tough for me to pick because I want to go with the Vikings, but I could see the slipper falling off the foot of a guy like the Cinderella story of Josh Dobbs and the Saints defense just playing really good this, this week and just you know crushing his opportunity. But I just think both of these offenses come out to play in this one, and we see a nice competitive matchup between these two.
1: That's what's the great thing about football—you have heroes and villains, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the villains have to win, right?
0: And for and for reference, I hope the Vikings win because I am—I hate the Saints.
1: Yep, bounty gate was a crime against humanity, and that's why uh, Sean Payton is cursed, and so is that franchise. Now, all righty, Ben, let's go into the next game. We have the Houston Texans, led by a notable, notable quarterback, rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, going on the road to Hugh Davis, Cincinnati Bengals, minus seven point favorites at home. Forty eight and a half is the slated over under. Uh, it's going to C- be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one and I think it's going to be a shootout. I think the over is a safe bet here, but I'm going to take Bengals -7 because Joe Burrow will lead the uh lead the Bengals on a game-winning drive to put them up by 7 and CJ Stroud will not be able to answer, leaving 7 points on the board for them. So, give me Bengals -7. Uh,
0: the matchup of two former Ohio State quarterbacks. If you remember Joe Burrow technically did start at Ohio State before he went to LSU. Uh, yeah, let's not I, talk about that. Yeah, I know. That's disgusting. I, I agree. Honestly, it sucks. Anyway, man, what what a fun matchup. You got the Bengals finally playing some good football. They won four in a row. The Texans, maybe they are for real. Maybe they can sneak in as a wild card this year. They're four and four. CJ Stroud just had an unbelievable game this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I feel like a lot of people are going to take the over of this game because, the Texans' defense has been very iffy. The Bengals' defense also has been very iffy. I, honestly, Johnson, think this is going to be the under. I think the reason is a lot of people will want to take the over, and I think that will lead me to fading it because I think you could see another situation like Josh Jobs where C.J. Stroud doesn't have a great, a great, as great of a game as he did the week before. Maybe he does for two touchdowns. Burrow does maybe the same. And they just don't reach that fifty mark uh, you know that fifty point mark at the end of the game. So I could see the under in this one, but knowing my luck it's probably gonna be the over.
1: All righty, Van. We have our next game, and this is might be game of the week material over here. We Maybe. have the Cleveland Browns on the road going into MT&T Bank Stadium. Baltimore Ravens at home, minus six point favorites, thirty-seven and a half is this slated over under. AFC North Divisional matchup, give me Baltimore minus six. Ravens are on a hot streak, and they're not going to be denied. They're going to keep on winning and winning and winning until they don't, so give me Baltimore minus six to cover this game.
0: This is a game with two of the best defenses in the league. Browns' defense has been really good this year. The Ravens' defense has been really good this year. Uh, Watson is playing for the Browns. He played the last game against the Cardinals. Lamar uh, Lamar's playing at, uh, playing on a great level right now, even with him, not throwing a touchdown in his last game. So you've got some great things going for both these sides. They're both in the playoffs if the season ended today. And the Ravens, I did take the Seahawks last week to cover. They obviously did not cover in that one. I think the reason why I might take the Browns plus six is because of this being a divisional game. And I could very well see this being a possession in which Lamar has to drive them down the field to get a game-winning field goal. Justin Tucker I know I said that last week for the Seahawks game but this being a divisional game definitely could happen in this instance so for me I'm gonna go with Browns plus six I think Cleveland is trying to prove that they are a for real team it could be in the postseason this year and they're gonna keep it close because of their defense but I think Lamar and the company get the win the last second field goal for Justin Tucker
1: all righty, Van. The next game, we have the 49ers coming off their bye week on the road, going into Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. San Francisco on the road, minus three-point favorites. 45 and a half is the slated over-under. Remember, they just got Chase Young. Yep. Uh, Chase Young, Nick Bosa. Uh, they might Jack's have Debo offensive... Samuel back. Yeah, I'm just saying, Jack's offensive line, good luck. You're going to get eaten alive. Trevor Lawrence, I hope you brought your, your running shoes because you're going to need them. Give me 49ers minus 3. This really shouldn't even be a game.
0: All right. Uh, this is, I, I think the biggest concern for this game, Johnson, is Brock Purdy. Is he going to come back and step up after having that three-game stretch of bad performances against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals? You would hope that the bye week gets you back into that rhythm I think if they get Debo Samuel back, that will be huge for them because they have really definitely have missed his, you know, his presence these last couple of weeks without him. Um, the four, the Jaguars, I feel like have have they've been winning games, but they haven't been impressive wins. Like they've been they've been beating good teams, like the Bills, they beat the Steelers, they beat, but they have been those games in which they don't have a marquee they win. They it's been more. Not I won't even say that. I think it's more of the fact of. They've allowed their opponent to try to come back into those games, but they've been able to sneak by at the very end. I don't think you could do that against the San Francisco 49ers, especially now we're getting Chase Young. I think that helps their defense a lot. So I would agree with you. I'm also gonna go 49ers minus three. So for we the listeners at home, yep. Yeah. So as I was gonna say for the listeners at home so far, you want to Carolina plus four and Jaguars plus three.
1: All right, congratulations to the Jags on their uh, probably helping them seal up
0: the, the division there at that point.
1: Okay, we have the next game, the Lions on the road going into Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Uh, Chargers, even though they're at home, it's not going to feel like it because Lion Mania is going to be run wild on them. Uh, the Detroit I minus two. Something. I know, right? Uh, Detroit minus two point favorites on the road. 48 and a half is the slated over under. Give me the Chargers to cover. The Lions have had some, uh, some hiccups getting shut out by the Ravens, and I feel like those hiccups are still going to be there. So give me Chargers plus two.
0: My question for you is, Do you, I know you took the plus two. Do you think they win the game, the Chargers?
1: I think they lose it because Brandon Staley
0: is a moron. So get- That's and that's why I'm not, and he's the exact reason why I don't want to take the Chargers in this game. So, I'm going to go with Lions minus two. I think it's going to come down to head coaching. I trust Dan Campbell, and Dan Campbell can be very questionable at times too, but I trust Dan Campbell more. Brandon That's Staley. why I think it'll
1: be close because Dan Campbell will, will live on the edge where Brandon Staley will be too conservative.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, the Lions coming off a bye week; their previous week, the Chargers just played on Monday night, so they're going to be technically on a short week if you want to consider it a short week. But I think this is the Lions are just they're they're trying to prove something. They're trying to prove that they're the best team in the NFC and just one of the best teams in general. I think a statement went on the road against a Chargers team like this, who's starting to get a little bit of momentum these last two weeks, I think it would be huge for their conference. So I got the, the Lions win this one.
1: All right, we have two games left, the first of which being the New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, on the road going it. into Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. The Raiders, even though they're at home, are plus two underdogs. So it's New York Jets minus two, and the over-under is slated at 36.5. Give me Raiders plus two. I think I think Sauce, Garrett Wilson, uh Brees Hall, that entire young core is gonna have too much fun in Vegas. And give me Raiders plus two.
0: It's is this is tough because you look at the quarterback matchup we got. We got Zach Wilson and Aiden O'Connell. So O'Connell's gonna be starting against this Jets, against this Jets defense that has been really good all season for them. And the Raiders defense just put up a really good performance against the Giants. And maybe that sparks something for the rest of the season for them. This i I am having such a tough time picking this game because I kind of want to lean on the Raiders, but I don't even know if I'm confident picking the Jets as well. So despite it being 36 and a half, I'm gonna just take the under. I think right now the safest play for any Jets game at this point in the season is just taking the under because they cannot score and I think this, this, because it's a prior time game as well, it's going to be an ugly one. So I'll take the under for this.
1: And with that being said, we have one more game. We have the Broncos on the road going into Orchard Park to take on the Bills. The Bills at home, minus 7.5 point favorites over under slate at 46.5. Buffalo will get it done and not only win but cover. I'm taking Buffalo minus 7.5. Buffalo, this is your chance to kind of shake off those cobwebs, uh, get going. This could be a good startup game, a good reboot game for you guys, and make that playoff push by starting by beating the Broncos. You need to beat the Broncos. If you do not beat the Broncos, they are in desperate times because their schedule towards the end of the year is a brutal one. They still have to play the Chiefs, Eagles, and the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, all in the next five
0: weeks. I I believe you are correct.
1: So this is do or die time. And if you don't do it now, you're going to die. So give me Buffalo minus seven and a half.
0: Well, think about the other side for this one. The Denver Broncos coming off their bye week, and we know what happened the week, the last time they played. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs, ending that 16-game losing streak. And the Broncos, I talked about it the last time. I said if they were able to get a big-time upset against the Bills, you would have to start considering them to potentially be a playoff contender, potentially getting one of those wild-card spots. Think Buffalo wins this game, but I think Denver is going to keep it close. So I'm going to go Broncos plus seven and a half in this one. I think it's a scenario in which Buffalo has been playing really poorly in the first half. I think they'll, they'll. I think it's going to happen again, unfortunately, because I think if Denver plays like they did against the Chiefs, they're going to give Josh Allen a tough time there. But I still think just from you know looking at both sides of the ball, the Bills are still better offensively schemed than Denver is. And I just think the Bills, like we mentioned, it's a must. It's pretty much a must win. It looks like at this rate for them, they have to win this game, or else the panic buddy is certainly going to be hit in Buffalo going into week number number eleven.
1: And that will conclude our rushing out, Nick. Before we sign off on the night, any final comments to close out the uh, the
0: evening? That's uh, crazy. We're at the halfway point of the season now. Uh, it's it feels like we just started the NFL season just as of yesterday, and now week nine's in the book. Now we're going to week number ten. I still don't know who the who the best teams are. I know we say it every week. Um, no, now we, we
1: really have no idea because even the good teams look like look bad now. They're I flags. know. I,
0: I you know we're we talked about Baltimore potentially being that the best team right now going forward, but knowing our luck, they probably falter this week against Cleveland. And Then we're back here next week trying to question ourselves as to who is right now one of the best teams or if the best team in the entire National Football League. So who knows? Couldn't have but, said it better. Yeah, but uh, any final thoughts from yourself?
1: Uh, Patriots, please
0: win. Uh, for your sake, hopefully, but we're both both you and I are both two and seven on the season. I'll see, I'll uh, see in you terms at the of tank our goal
1: in a couple weeks, buddy.
0: Yeah, we we the break Sports Show might be taking going to MetLife Stadium to watch the Patriots and Giants, and what would be an absolute. It'll be the Marvin Harrison, Harrison Junior. Game. goal. Yeah, and the Patriots most likely will win because the Giants have no offense going right now.
1: Uh, don't you jinx me like that?
0: Uh, just telling you, but. Then again, no my luck. Giants will win the game. They'll ruin the tank for whoever it would they'll try to take in this year's first round of the NFL draft. So we'll have to wait and see. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of the all Gas No Break Sports Show. As we mentioned, we're at the halfway point of the season. Week 9 is in the books. Now head into week number 10. We're still trying to figure out who are the best teams in the NFL. We're starting to get maybe a little bit of a gauge as to who those teams are, but... Knowing our luck, next week we'll probably be saying the same exact thing going into our preview for the next week, being that week 11. So we'll have to find out and see. This has been Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your week.